McNulty stunning for Emilio to get up above Cargill and find Bennett. It's into the box. McNulty cut back for Roberts. It's Gary Roberts from Bosby. Bosby are leading in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Mark McNulty, but a good chance by Doyle for McNulty on the edge. Mark McNulty oh, short yes. for Bosby. Smashes it past McCormack. One by Doyle. Finished by the returning Mark McNulty. First left blood for Bosby. They're in dreamland early here at Bratton. There's a through ball to Jamal Lowe. Jamal Lowe's onside. The flag stayed down. Jamal Lowe. Nonchalant. Fantastic. Brilliant. Pompey will be promoted at this rate. That is it. Pompey are champions. They won League Two in the most dramatic of circumstances. The PO4 podcast with Hugh Bunce. Proud to be Pompey. Hi, Pompey fans, and welcome to your forecast episode 129. Five wins in a row and only one goal conceded. We're in dreamland, aren't we? General podcast today is Freddie Webb. How are you, Freddie? Not so bad, Hugh. Yeah, it's been a feels like it's been ages since I've been on, but yeah, always glad to be back. And Pompey are playing much better recently, so can't can't be bad. Can't be bad. What are you doing back on the podcast, mate? It sounds like some sort of jinx here. I hope, I, hope this, I hope this isn't the turn where Pompey start playing badly again and people are calling for another break and the return of another guest. Oh, well, if, if that happens, we'll see. It's almost as bad as Proudy's curse for, for the last game he went. I swear he hasn't seen a win in ages and then he'll be at the Gillingham game with us. So we, we got that to look forward to. All you need is a win on Saturday and then the curse passes on to Andy Mitchamore. But until that time, I'm joined by Frankie. How are you, mate? I'm very good, mate. After missing 120 something episodes, I managed to nick a second second one in a couple of weeks. Yeah, no, welcome back to the show. You obviously did all right there, Frankie, mate. You've done really well. <laughs> so, uh, no, it's great to have you back on the show. It's trying to get into these these wins, really. I'm just trying to hold that excitement back. All right, let's get into it now because we've got a lot of stuff to do. So, first of all, we're going to review the game against Wimbledon. Following on from that, we're going to review the emphatic win away at Lincoln. And then after that, we put a question out to you because we all know what's gone wrong. Sean Raggett's suspended. So we asked you guys, who's going to replace Raggett at the back and what sort of system should we play? And finally, we're going to preview the game on Saturday against Gillingham. Right, let's go. AFC Wimbledon. This was a game that you thought, right, they're not looking too good coming into it. This should be a game that we said that Pompey should win. I think I said something silly like 3-0, getting all excited in the last podcast, but... It started off, didn't it? And I remember a time, Frankie, when if Pompey went one goal down, it was pretty much game over under Kenny Jacket. But that penalty decision, first of all, to lead to the goal. So let's get into that. That was a shocking decision, wasn't it? It was, and it, it knocked the stuffing out of us a little bit as well because we'd been playing so well for the first 10 or 15 minutes of that match. We'd started to see that kind of magic, magic word of fluidity and intensity that Cowley had talked about a lot, created some such good chances that, that were squandered by Pompey really should have been at least two goals up by that point and and that penalty decision really took the wind out of, out of Pompey until half time really it really kind of took that momentum that we carried into that game it really took a lot of that away from us and you know I can see to a certain extent why it was given from the referee and the only reason I say that is because of the view he would have had the left back was very very clever in the way that he threw himself into the legs of Curtis to claim that penalty but like I say, it completely knocked the stuffing out of us and, and completely threw us off course. Yeah, I was um, literally, I think, about six six rows from the front and the front end watching the game with my dad. And it was a stonewall dive, <laughs> an absolute stonewall, nine out of 10, Tom Daly sort of dive. But as soon, again, like Frankie said, as soon as it happened, me and my dad looked at each other, looked at the ref and went, he's giving that because there was contact Curtis was shoulder to shoulder with a Wimbledon player the legs tangled up but it was just the fact that there was a delay and then the Wimbledon player literally with the upper bit of his body threw himself down it was a joke of a decision and yeah um, Pompey played reasonably well at that point but were definitely hanging on until half time after it happened it, re- it quite reminded me actually of a Nathan Thompson-esque signature move he kind of Guinness Walker I think he was got his body in between Curtis and the ball just kind of pushed his bum back into Curtis and then took an absolute swan dive. So it, it, I actually said at the time that is literally Nathan Thompson-esque um, and he completely bought the penalty. 
Yeah, and Oli Palmer steps up, dispatches that into the back of the net, like you'd expect. He's, he's, he's their penalty taker, does all right here. I'm not a big fan of his, to be honest. Very direct striker generally. So that didn't really endear me anymore to, to the man scoring down there at the front end. But just before that goal went in, you, you saw Michael Jacobs have a chance earlier on and Marcus Harness plays the ball through Freddie and he's sort of the lovely little back heel, which goes straight through to Jacobs, one-on-one. And this is when Jacobs sort of showed early on that maybe he had a goal in him. Yeah, absolutely. I thought uh, Jacobs was very lively, very lively. It, it, it looks as if he had the bit between his teeth, linked up very well with Harness and Curtis, but it helped that Harness was central. We've been saying this, but yonks, haven't we? Whenever Harness dr- drifts in cent- centrally, he's in a, he has that. He's becomes that out ball. He puts in the through ball between the defenders. Keeper, uh, the keeper Zanev did really well, actually. Made himself very big, blocked off the angle really well. So it was a harder shot than some expected. I think the XG on that was 0.24, which isn't that big. You'd expect Jacobs to score that once every four times. But no, Jacobs very lively. And it and that proved to be the case for the rest of the game. I'm I'm going to talk about too in this in too much detail, Fred, but as you were at the game, as I basically kindly lent my season ticket to my dad so he could take his best mate, what was your takeaways, lads, from the from the first half of watching the game live? Well I thought again Pompey were quite positive in the first half. Definitely in the final third. Um, Romeo had also a very good first half. He was driving play for the right-hand side really well. There's some reasonable link-up play. Harness, Jacobs, and Curtis being the main beneficiaries of that. Thompson and Williams as a midfield double pivot locked things in quite well. But like Frankie said, penalty, not the stuffing out of Pompey. Wimbledon were pressing more afterwards. There was that chance from Radoni from the free kick where he was right in the cent- right in the centre of the penalty area. If he scuffed it, scuffed it over. But it was it was a big chance for them, and they they could have been two up quite easily. It was quite obvious that mentally Pompey were waiting for half time for um for a reset and the manager to give them a bit of a lift. It completely spun the game, didn't it? And I think you were dealing with a very, very young Wimbledon team as well. So had Pompey have tucked away one of those opportunities, early opportunities, I think we're out of sight from there. I, I, I just don't think from the way they started that game, I don't think they would have recovered if Pompey had nicked the early goal either through the chance where Jacobs played it slightly too soft across the Hurst and then uh, the Wimbledon defender got in there and made a fantastic challenge or like we say, the Jacobs went after that. And there was another save from Zanev as well where he got low and spread himself quite well um, to keep Pompey out. So... You know, I think if Pompey score one of those those opportunities, then I think we run away with the game. But once they scored that penalty, just seemed to give them a bit of a bounce. They just seemed a little bit keener, a little bit aggressive to, to the second balls, and and like I said, it pressed harder. It just gave them a little bit of a bounce, and it, and it knocked the confidence of a, of what was a good Portsmouth display to that point. Absolutely, and then. You're thinking, right, is it going to be one of those games? We thought we thought Pompey would get this. We thought this would help us carry on our run. We're all really confident about approaching the game. And then Michael Jacobs gets a little bit of luck when the ball comes through. It's sort of direct up the left-hand side. I mean, it clearly looks to me like it hit his hand when it goes through off his arm, but you could, you could probably debate whether that's accidental and just hits him and comes off him or not. But that's sometimes you need that. And he, Jacobs goes through. He's already had one chance against the keeper. He, he, he hits it towards the near post this time. Maybe the keeper should have done better with it. I don't know what you think about that, Fred. Uh, I thought Sanev could have done better with it, but Jacobs hit it low and hard enough um, at the near post where the keeper... It it would have caused problems for the keeper, but again, at the near post, he should have saved it. But it was a well-deserved goal from Jacobs. He got the man of the match performance over the Tannoy for that display. And yeah, he deserved it. He really did. People thought... Mentally, it checked out. I'm still thinking about that Ipswich transfer, but you wouldn't have known it from that game. You wouldn't have known it at all. He was dr- drifting inside and deeper to collect the ball. He was dribbling aggressively against against the Wimbledon fullback, which he needed, and had the best game I'd seen him seen him have in a long time. And with him as a genuine option, it, now again after that game, the squad seems a bit better than it is. Absolutely, we were really concerned a bit about the depth of this squad weren't we and I think Jacobs does add that other player of absolute class when he's on the ball and playing well and Frankie it was one of those performances that actually reminded you that Michael Jacobs was here it was like Fred said you you kind of forget he's an asset to the club and you forget he's a genuine option because not that you completely written off his talent you just think obviously Cowley didn't fancy him 
as well. You kind of have the fact that he was earmarked for a transfer away. And after that, you just think he's going to kind of sit and rot in the, in the club's reserves as well because he didn't really have a pre-season for a number of reasons. And you just kind of think he's going to sit until January and then we'll probably offload him on the cheap or on a loan deal. But, you know, when I saw his name on the team sheet, I was so shocked. But throughout the game, he kind of reminds you when he came to the club, he was a huge, huge signing. People were buzzing when he when he signed for the club because he has an unbelievable track record in not just League One, but leagues above that as well. And he's, he's a top, top quality player. So if we can get him back to that level and if we can have a few games and regain some of that confidence that he had before, he could still be a huge asset for this club and could be like a new signing going forwards. And we don't need to dwell too much on how good Joe Morell is in the centre of the park, but you know he's really outstanding, isn't he, in the middle? He's so tenacious, picks the ball up and drives it forward, which is something in the centre of midfield. Some pump players would be missing a little bit. And for the goal for Marcus Harness, he picks that up in the middle, drives the ball forwards, lays it through to Marcus, who's in the, exactly the right place you are when you're a goal scorer, when, you've, when you're best in the middle, when you can shoot, he, he finds that space in the middle there. Ball goes through to him, Marcus Harness picks it up and he hits the shot quite quickly. I think that's what maybe really throws the keeper off on that side. I mean, what a winner, let's be honest. Last minute, in front of the frat and end. When things are going well for you, that's the thing that happens, right? Definitely a jumping up and down sort of shot. I mean, what a finish that was. To be able to, to, be able to get, get, get the ball out of his feet the way he did, he was, he, he was surrounded by a few defenders. It, it, he almost took it as if it was a penalty because he he gave the keeper the eyes, look, look, looking as if he was going to hit it straight into the right-hand corner. But no, he just slot, slots it across the keeper, along the floor, into the other corner. So wild celebrations, threatening going wild. Absolutely loved it. And Harnish is showing really the potential that we saw of him to replace Jamal Lowe and it just it was that little change of him drifting into the centre it's made everything a lot better and what I loved particularly about everything through that goal we mentioned Joe Morrell and, and kind of how he changed the game when he came on it's the endeavour and the courage from both of them on the ball so you expect a lot of players when you're reaching the dying stages of a game they don't want to give the ball away they don't want to be the person that, that makes the pass or takes the shot that doesn't come off and then you know you've got three stands of Pompey fans groaning behind you because you've just tried something when you're kind of desperate to keep the ball and, and try and carve that chance. But Morel, every single time he looked to get on the ball, he was positive and he was he was brave. He wanted to bring it forward. Fed harness and, and like like Fred said, to kind of take on that shot almost like a penalty. Say so, so, so calm, give the keeper the eyes and just arrow it into the far corner. You know, big moments need big players and, and those two stepped up. You've got to say, the shithousery from Marcus Harness a little bit there the sort of and then coming out on Twitter afterwards joking about it with, with the with the Wimbledon player I thought I thought that was a bit, a bit of the icing on the cake really isn't it it was yeah, and it's, it's kind of almost the nastiness that you you kind of love to see a little bit as well from, from decent players all, all really good players have a bit of an edge and to kind of get in an opponent's head as well is is almost gives you an edge in some games but even from a fan's perspective, you know, you, you absolutely love it when he slots one into the corner, you know, last nine minutes of the game and then runs over and celebrates in the face of a player who's, who's been giving it all game. So, yeah, it was just just class. And then we go into, let's go into the Lincoln game now, because we, we go on Tuesday night, freezing cold, fair play to all the Pompey fans who travelled up to Lincoln on Tuesday. I couldn't make it because of work commitments, but anyone who's gone. Fair play to you. I think that's, that's quality. Uh, Sam, who was on the podcast last week, he travelled up there and he's going to give a couple of thoughts after we've done this review. I'm just going to insert that into the podcast for his thoughts and reactions afterwards. But let's start it off then because I thought setting up the three at the back, it's a brave formation to go back to that three again and have the two wing backs. Rico comes in at left wing back, something that he said that he could do before and they spoke about in training, him filling in that role. You think, looking at the team there, I was like, okay, okay, I kind of like the look of it, but I was always a little bit worried that if we don't press on the front and didn't get on top of Lincoln, then we may struggle and leak goals. But that wasn't the situation at all. Pompey really pressed from the front, didn't they? So well, Freddie, and I don't know if you've got any pressing stats, but I would say that it was that was the thing that struck me straight away, how Pompey stopped Lincoln passing the ball out from the back. Oh, absolutely. I think it's quite obvious now that when Pompey play that free at the back system, they have to dominate the possession and get on top of teams. If they don't do that, then the gaps in the defensive line really show. And I think it, it and it's shown from obviously from, from some of the other games where, where there were lots of defensive errors, lots of leaks. But no, overall the pressing 
Um, the passes allowed per defensive action, which obviously the lower the lower the number, the higher the press. Seven point one three on average, which uh, which is roughly where Portsmouth usually are. They're, they're usually between six and nine on that stat. Um, eight is considered on the verge of a higher press, so seven is pretty good. And it dropped down to, I think I think the lowest was five point two just at the beginning of the second half, where. They tried to they tried to um, maintain that one 0 lead, but no, I, th- I thought it was a complete performance, complete performance up and down. Even with the formation change, I really liked how Ports have played. I, I know Lincoln had key players missing. They had they, they had Anthony Scully, Tom Hopper, and Liam Bridcut all missing. So they had a seventeen year old Draper up front, which was a mismatch against Sean Raggett completely. I feel sorry for the kid, but even 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 with that in mind, just. How, how how much Pompey dominated that game because Pompey didn't have a full strength side either they dominated the possession the passing was very crisp the final ball was on point they were always looking to pass along the floor into space which is the big big thing the front three with Harness behind Curtis and Hurst they were fairly fluid always looking for each other so many positives to take out of that game so many Yeah, and I actually think the formation change I think everyone was shocked to a certain extent because you just kind of thought, you know, we just got the win. For the most part, the team performance was improved. You expect him to kind of go with, with the same setup at Lincoln. But the formation change was actually a stroke of genius because as, as Fred said there, they were missing key players, Hopper and Scully, especially up top. So they were a little bit more toothless than they would have usually been. So to kind of go for a slightly more attacking formation that also allowed us to sustain that attack and go through phases of attack as well because every single time the ball broke or, or Lincoln managed to clear it away Pompey were there straight away to mop it up and, and recycle and get going again and the wing backs helped doing that so much Romeo and, and um, Hackett Fairchild especially were always there to, as options to recycle the play and I think if not two all three of our goals came through second phases of play especially the one that comes to mind is Hurst where you know Pompey have already had about three or four waves of attack it comes back to Romeo picks the pass into Harness, who just unlocks the defence and Curtis squares it for Hurst and Matuna up. So, you know, it, it gave us such kind of a sustained attack throughout the game that we just kept on knocking on that door and we were absolutely relentless. I think the big the big player who was missing for Lincoln was Bridcut. If Bridcut was in the midfield, I think if, it, if he was there, he might have been able to break up some of the players that Pompey had and then they wouldn't have had as much control of the game as they would have done. Absolutely took the words out of my mouth, Freddie. Completely agree. Um, so we talked about sustained pressure there, and I think Pompey really needed the goal, didn't they? You ha- you need to get that reward. When you play that well in the first half against a team like Lincoln, you really need to go in and show something at half-time. And once again, it's that man, Marcus Harness, who steps up, big game player, Marcus Harness, gets the goal. How important do you think that was going into the second half, that Marcus Harness managed to get that goal, and Pompey could then build on that into the second half? So, so, so important because like you say, and it, it comes back to to Wimbledon, the, the only reason the door was was kind of left ajar for them to, you know, come forward, win that penalty and, and put themselves one up. Yes, it was a referee mistake, but like I said, Pompey should have been outside before that anyway. And it was much the same story until Harness got that crucial, crucial goal. And at such a time as well, you know, if you can see just before you go in for the break, it gives Portsmouth so much more confidence to kind of go, kind of go out and do continue what they were doing in the second half. And again, it, it's a huge dent in the confidence of Lincoln. It's such a key time to score. And Harness has just proven himself absolutely talismanic for Pompey at the minute. Every single time there's there's a big moment and a player needs to step forward. He's the one that puts in the back of the net. I still can't believe some fans thought he was bad. For ages and mm. ages, I was hearing it in the stand. I, I, we were hearing it over the last two seasons, saying, "Oh, he's he, 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 he's not tough enough. He doesn't get he doesn't get on the ball enough." Rubbish, yeah, nonsense. Really, and it, he's proven yeah, that completely, now. Completely. He can be frustrating. He, there's no doubt that he can be frustrating at times. But I think a lot of the frustration, like I said last week, is when he's played on the wing because naturally he drifts centrally and he just kind of finds himself in and out of games. When he's played through that middle and he can get on the ball and he can get shots off, he can pick pick little pockets, get into scoring positions. He's he's phenomenal. And, you know, we questioned last week whether you can give him a new contract. I think, like I said, how can you say no to a player that is well on track to, to end up with very respectable double figures this season if he continues the, the vein of form he's in? 
sign him up. That's all we can say, really. I, I, know, Pompey, I know Pompey have got uh, the option of a year contract, haven't they? Extension already on him. They've, they could take that up. It's always a little bit concerning because you know what would be the salary raise in order to sign him up for that option. I think is the only question out there, isn't it? But I think in this situation, you just got to bite the bullet, really, and go for it and maybe try and offer him an extended deal. What do you reckon, Fred? Uh, I think that has to be done. He's Harness is now one of our key players, it's quite obvious. And Pompey are in the position to um, wheel and deal, really. I think by the summer, it'd be quite obvious certain players will be leaving who, who are potentially have got big salaries. So I don't think the Blues are in a position to wheel and deal. They're in the position where they have to build a squad and Harness is a key player in that. So you you have, you have should extend him with that option, even if it's a raise. And then in the summer, they need to negotiate a fresh contract for him, even if it's a, even if it's a double raise, even if it's a raise from the extension and another raise. It, it has to be done. He's, he's mid-20s. He's coming into his prime now. He's fulfilling his potential. That's the sort of play he wants to lock down. 100%. They did actually say as well, um, you know, they were waiting for contracts, blah, blah, blah. But they did this before, didn't they? And they still extended Curtis, I believe, around Christmas once as well before. Yeah, so they that, gave Curtis yeah. that contract. This is the time now. Do the same for Harness. Sort out the other stuff afterwards. But let's get let's get Marcus Harness signed up. I've talked about penalties going against us quickly. We did have that situation in this game where Rico put in, I'm going to call a robust challenge. <laughs> Tracking back and considering the referee loved to give a free kick in this game, didn't he? He, he, You know, his whistle was in and out of his mouth quite a lot throughout the game. And then you think, oh, no, I I just thought that that was one of those ones that, you know, could be, couldn't be. But I thought with this referee, he's going to give that and he didn't. You can always tell as well from a player's reaction, whether they think there's a chance that it may be given because there was a slight pause just after Hackett Fairchild absolutely cleaned him out with that shoulder shoulder charge, there was a slight pause from him before he cleared the ball away, as if to say, hang on, is this whistle going to blow here? So there was a slight kind of feeling of, of guilt from him as well. But it's one of those ones, if it's outside of the box, it's a free kick without question. Inside, it's a little bit more questionable, but definitely seen them given. Yeah. I think so. And I think later on, Pompey had an opportunity, didn't they, potentially for a penalty that the referee decided not to give as well, just to, to try and square things up, I suppose. But, you know, we'll be happy with that considering considering the result. George Hurst had a bit of a blinder again. I think we you talked about Frankie last week, that turn of pace that he's got, the way that he sort of can be actually surprisingly explosive when he gets on the ball over a, a certain amount of, about of distance. And he tried to do a, a Lionel Messi earlier on in the game, didn't he? And try and take it around the whole squad. And, you know, after the criticism before, you know, I've given him on the podcast, you've got to say, and said this last week as well, but, you know, it's great to see him really taking this chance and being that sort of dynamic player, running the channels, you know, he comes back short, he goes long and gets it as well. He holds the ball up, he can beat people. And now he's got a goal, but I've sort of gone off a little bit off tandem there, but you've got to say with that run, all he needed was a finish there and suddenly he's all over the highlight reels of the EFL. Yeah, like you say, it was it was a fantastic run. And the only thing you could say for him is when he does get into those finishing positions, and I'm sure this this may come come with confidence, is a little bit more decisiveness in the finish. So I think obviously he made that run. I'm sure his legs were absolute jelly, the kind of the yards he covered to get into that position. But I just don't think he had a look where the keeper was before he he, he struck the ball, basically, because he he did put it fairly straight at the keeper, who did well to stand up and, and make a good save. But there was another one in the first half as well, where the ball pops up, um, I think it was in the box where header. And again, he just kind of flicked it rather than kind of making that decisive contact. But now he's got his goal on, I'm sure it will come. And I think it's just sometimes when a, when a striker's not scored and is out of form for a little bit, perhaps they, they double-guess the finish or they slightly overthink it. But now he's kind of got that one on the board. I'd love to see what he can do and I'd love to see whether he can kind of find that clinicality. Don't know why I thought you were going to jump in then, Fred, but... <laughs> okay, so let's just talk about the goal itself then because, you know, the ball goes through and just as quickly with, with Ronan Curtis, did we think he was going to try and shoot? I think a few times he tried to shoot earlier in the game when he could have laid Marcus Harness through as well. And he got to the situation there where you think he's got to square the ball and he he, he ends up does square it. Hurst was under a little bit of pressure as well, wasn't he, really, from the defenders? And he's managed to get a decent contact on in the back of the net. 
you see him celebrate and it's really funny. I saw, I think Marcus Harness almost run over to congratulate Ronan Curtis for passing the ball over and, and getting the goal in as well. And then he looks around to see her celebrating from the Portsmouth fans and just, they all leg it over with him to celebrate, which is, you know, it's a great moment. And when things are going well, you just got, you just got to enjoy it, haven't you? But do you reckon Fred, now he's got this goal, he can just get in those positions where he can get the likes of Marcus Harness, the likes of Ronan Curtis, just setting him up and just so he can just provide that, that sort of almost close quarters sort of uh, finishing. Oh, absolutely, yeah. It was a fabulous moment for it. As we said, we've criticised some of his performances previously, but you can see, like like with the rest of the team, that's the key trend of this. The confidence is building, it's growing. And you can see it in the way, you can see it in the way they play. Hurst wasn't linking up with the rest of the players before the, like, the previous two games. And he did incredibly well. That uh, that through ball from Harness, I thought Curtis was going to have a shot immediately, but no, he squares it properly. Hurst did very well. I think it was. I think he was battling against Lewis Monsma, uh, the centre half. I think it was him. Did very well to to keep his shape, keep keep on his toes, and puts it right in the corner, which is wonderful to see. The the underrated golf swing celebration as well. Found that quite funny, <laughs> even though really it was slightly off camera, but. No, I think he deserves it. And considering Marquis, I think is still injured. It's uh, he's he, he's in a position where he can claim that spot now. If he if he continues in the next few games, but while Mark while Marcus comes back, he might be our leading striker, and that's an excellent problem to have. Because a few weeks ago, we were talking about how there, were, there was no depth up front, and it, and there were so many issues. And uh, yeah, it, I'm I'm very pleased for him, really. Given the given the sort of time that Marquis was given as well, when he was underperforming and not really offering a lot to the team, not just in goals, but in terms of general build-up play, link-up play as well, I think unless we kind of go in and sign someone pretty big in January, Hurst has earned himself a fair crack at this side, even if he does go and kind of have an under-par performance or put in an under-par performance in the next game. If we still want to start with an out-and-out striker, I still think he's, he's made a strong enough claim in the last few games to be given that chance. Yeah, absolutely. And then just carrying on Pompey as well, you know the team's flowing with confidence when, you know, it's 2-0, we've done well, we've held our shape, etc. Lincoln tried to come at us a bit, but I still think Pompey held pretty strong in, in this game as well. But we get that free kick down the other end. You hear, you hear the chance of Rico from the uh, Pompey fans after that direct goal he scored earlier on the season. <laughs> Lines up the free kick, strikes it straight against the wall. And it's a bit of one of those, oh, moments. And then he just hits it straight again, doesn't he? I think it's a cluster of players in the way. Maybe the goalkeeper can't quite see, you know, him get the ball out of his feet and it's in the bottom corner. It's, it's just great to see goals coming from everywhere. When you've got an attacking left wing back play with someone like Rico playing left wing back, that's maybe where it makes up for him not being a natural, a natural defender. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely gives another option going forward. He struck, he struck that goal really, really well. Almost the outside of his foot, curving away from the keeper, icing on the cake in terms of the performance. And yeah, it fits with why we changed the formation. Maybe against better teams who control the game a bit more, having having Hackett at left wing back might be a bit ropey defensively. But in this game, where Pompey were on the front, on the front foot for most of the game, he offered he offered so much going forward from that left hand side, and it and it definitely benefited the Blues throughout that game. What we've seen of him as well from from kind of short bursts, relatively short bursts now, because he has had more game time recently, is that he can he can strike a ball so sweetly. When he does hit them, they stay hit. And he's he's got an absolute wand of a left foot, whether it's on the cross or, or on the strike. So having him on that left-hand side, when we've seen him off the right, where he can kind of be dominant on that left foot, you know, he can be a real asset to Pompey there. Because if we can get him supplying high-quality balls into the box, he will create chances for us. And also shout out to team player Ronan Curtis for squaring the ball for George Hurst, for letting Rico take the free kick, not, not demanding he took it as well, for closing people down all game, to be honest, right from the front, putting them under pressure. And sometimes some fans can get on Ronan Curtis's back, I think, and, you know, moaning about attitude or whatever. But, you know, it's not something I, a narrative I buy into at all. But I, I think that even those fans have got to really step back and applaud Curtis for the way he played in that game as a complete team player. Yeah, some people argue that Curtis has got an attitude about him or an ego thing, but that's what people would criticise him for not having that on the pitch and losing it. People, people deep down like the fact that he's 
maybe a bit mouthy or he, or he loves getting into the challenge. And the rest of the team has bought into that for a certain extent as well. This is what Danny Cowley said about the vision for this Pompey side, where, they, where they're playing nice, quick, attacking football, but also off the ball, they're intense. They, 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 they drive at the opposition with the pressing that we mentioned. The key, there was a key moment for me um, with a shot that Rongo hit the post, if you remember. Harness, Harness, was, Harness was through on goal after, after being put through by running Curtis. He gets absolutely clattered. No foul given. Harness immediately gets up, sprints to the centre to Lincoln centre half. Their centre half does an awful clearance. Again, ends up with Pompey on the left hand side. It's then switched all the way to Romeo, who then has a reasonable shot, which I think the keeper tips onto the post. That chance doesn't happen if the Pompey front three don't press when they, when they don't press and when they're they're trying to control the game a bit more in a less intense way because any player who was fouled like that could have just stayed on the floor and not do anything but no it, 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 that moment for me even if it even though it didn't lead to a goal it just showed where this side can be and we're seeing more and more glimpses of that now which is very encouraging and frankie you got to say you got to mention romeo in this game because he was absolutely outstanding wasn't he going forward winning balls you know, the shot that Freddie just spoke about, but generally his play in this game was so impressive. And then that's topped off at the end with him singing play up Pompey to the Pompey fans. And apparently Millwall fans saying to me that he's never showed any of that passion towards them, etc. So it's it's good to see. But how would you sum up Romeo's performance quickly just before we move on? He was just absolutely emphatic in everything he did. He was excellent. Going forward, he was brilliant. Like I say, he sustained so many attacks. He was aggressive defensively. He gives us so much energy down that right-hand side. He stretches teams. You know, and it's everything that you would want from a wing-back. He was up and down that touchline all game. There wasn't a, a point where I thought he was caught out defensively, positionally. He was absolutely excellent. Almost scored, but for an unbelievable save to tip it onto the post. You know, he was he was my man of the match. He was incredible throughout that game. And, you know, the fact that he's getting involved with the fans as well. Absolutely, absolutely love to see it. Hopefully, he is buying into the club because I'd love him to stay. I think he's been the signing of the season by a long short for Port. Well, I think that was a good review of the Lincoln game, but just to cap it off, just to cap it off, here's the thoughts of Pompey News Now, PO Forecast co-host Sam Stone. Right, so I'm just outside Sinsel Bank, nice little bar outside the ground. I'm with Sam and Mark. What do you reckon tonight, Sam? Uh, I'll take a point, I think, but I think in a recent form, I think we can go for free. I think we've got the players, especially up top now, Marcus Harness. I think he can get a, if he plays well, get a couple, and I think three yeah. points. Um, obviously, the team uses that Michael Jacobs doesn't start tonight. Um, potentially a bit of a shock after his performance on Saturday. Uh, well, I didn't, other than getting the goal, I didn't think he did too much, but uh, I think. Uh, I much prefer Morel in midfield and I think going a lot more attacking up front so maybe putting uh, Harness or Aziz in that number 10 is yeah. a lot better especially away from home so then hit him on the break and get a few I think that's a lot better and this overall for the season so far what do you make of it? Uh, maybe a 6 out of 10 I mean probably considering the squad probably where we should be and like some of the results we've had I mean, probably disappointing after the first, what, three, four games since then. But, I mean, see where it takes us from here. Yeah. Perfect. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Perfect, yeah. Okay, here at half-time, it's Lincoln nil, Pompey 1. Marcus Hahn is on the stroke of half-time. Probably a deserved lead for Pompey. I'm here with Pat. Pat, what have you made of that first half? thought we totally dominated. Looked good going forward, solid in defence. Absolutely well-deserved lead. Which players stood out for you in that first half? Romeo, Morel. I thought George Hurst had a good game. Yeah, all-round brilliant performance. Yeah, it's been a good performance. It looks like Pompey may have turned a little corner of these, these, pre these results. What have you made of the season so far? I thought the time we struggled was when we played three at the back we're playing three at the back today and we're looking solid so I think it's probably the personnel yeah, yeah. The personnel injuries yeah and finally what, um, what are your hopes this season do you think we could put a few results together maybe push up towards the playoffs or? definitely bring in a couple of players in January and I think uh, playoffs are a 
definite possibility. But obviously our lack of cover is going to be shown at the weekend with Raggett being out. Yeah, no, that's a big loss. Thanks a lot, Pat. My pleasure. Right. Managed to get myself another interview with Tom O. Tom, what have you made of that first half? Looking good so far. Yeah, yeah, really impressive. Um, I thought Conor Gilvey's made a positive decision every time he's had the ball come to his head or his feet. Um, and we were just building on lots of good chances throughout the first period, Sam. I thought the goal was always coming, like from minute one. They had a couple of sort of attacking opportunities coming down this end for the home side, but I thought the majority of the football was Pompey so far this evening. Um, just hoping that we can sort of... My voice is starting to go. We've been shouting quite a lot. Great time to score. Great goal. Great celebrations in this end. Um, yeah, I just hope we can hold on to it. Get a couple more because this is always a, a tricky place to hold on to a lead here at Sinsil Bank. Um, yeah, I'm just uh, then I'm just hopefully that what is that nine on eight unbeaten now in all competitions yeah, well, after this one. I'm going to ask you. So obviously this will be free, if we can hold on today, big yeah. if, but it'll be three wins on the spin. Yeah, that Wickham game is that a turning point now? Can we start to think about? looking up towards the top six? Well, we looked at the 4-0 for Sunderland and thought that was a turning point. It very much wasn't. I'd like to think that the, the, the Wickham game will be. We've got evidence of it now. As you say, three wins on the spin should tonight go to plan. And, and it's come at a really good time as well. And the performances are looking good. It's not just with... I've heard people saying the week we're grinding out results. I don't think we are. I think we're performing and we're warranting the three points as a result of the, the games and the displays that we're putting on. So, yeah, I hope that this is the start of something good. It's always a good time of year to get a run together as well. Christmas, busy period. Lots of fixtures coming thick and fast. So, hopefully, it's the start of something big for us. Perfect. Cheers, Tom. All right. So it's finished Lincoln City nil, Portsmouth three in what is probably keep saying this after every single game is probably the best performance of the season yet again just made it back to the car um, yeah absolutely phenomenal performance from even in the first half there were plenty of chances couldn't quite put one away up until Marcus Harness finished in the 46th minute 47th minute right on the stroke of half time really good time to score and then in the second half they just really put Lincoln to the sword. The, the, the second goal was a wonderfully worked goal. Some great interplay from Harness and Curtis. And then Hurst got that goal that he deserves. He, he looks a real player up there at the moment up front. He's physical. He's got that turn of pace that you haven't, you can't, you haven't seen from Marquis at all. He, he had, the goals haven't quite been there, but his overall players is helping the team so much. And it was really, it was just a great to finish it off with Rico Hackett firing in a, a rebound off a free kick in the 89th minute the game will be won but good for him as well playing out of position tonight but there were so many good performances Morel is just an unbelievable player at this level um, and was head and shoulders above anyone in the pitch Romeo had an excellent game as well both of them looked such finds at this level and I'd make a good argument that, that Romeo, um, Morel, Harness and, and Raggett probably walk into most teams at the moment on their current form and Bazunu as well. So there's lots to be positive about um, to be a Pompey fan at the moment. Obviously, the, the one downside Raggett's yellow card means he'll be out of the Gillingham game in what will be a very physical, direct test for Pompey. So that, that is one issue that Cowley have to deal with. But again, what a, what a display against a side that are quite hard to beat. So... Yeah, there's lots to be positive about the moment. Heading the right direction, three points off the playoffs. Some nice fixtures coming up. Um, Dad, what did you make of that? Uh, well, first thing, mate, I'm trying to find my way out of Lincoln Town Centre. That's the right, most straight line for a bit, yeah, of a got bit of time. Four hours to go or three hours. I don't know, mate. Um, Romeo, I thought was sensational. He was my man of the match. He was just absolutely everywhere. Um, further to that, he hit the bar and I had him at 35 to one with Betfair. It will come up at some point, but I thought he's a. I think he's a cracking player. And the other thing, the highlight for me was George scoring. I've been a fan of his for the last couple of games. It was a Wiccan game. And um, today I thought he played lovely. And I, I can't wait for the fans at Fratton Park to start seeing some of the tricks he's coming out with. He's, he, he's got a lot in his locker. You can tell. He, is he a premiership? 
Leicester in the Premiership. Yeah, you can see he's got all sorts of stuff about him. Um, and just before he scored that goal, he a wonderful bit of skill in the middle of the park there. I don't know what you call it. I'm not a footballer. Was it a reverse Dubry Watson or something? Anyway, it looked really good. Made up for him scoring that goal. Absolutely made up for him. Um, and overall, I'm just really excited for. Yeah, we have our ups and downs with Pompey. I'm so looking forward to Gillingham now. It's just one of those, isn't it, mate? Brilliant, brilliant performance. Yeah, yeah. Again, what a brilliant away performance. That's all you want to ask from a team playing away on a Tuesday night. Onwards to Gillingham. Pompey make, looking to make it four wins on the spin. Plenty to be positive about at the moment. Back to you, Hugh. Hopefully, I've done enough for you, mate. Right, cheers, Sam. That's appreciated. Right, let's move us on. Well, before we move on to your questions, we've got the best, the best bit of the show, the bit that you're all waiting for. Guess the XG. We've got to play Guess the XG. Wait. So, wait. So, <laughs> so you're... Uh, so... The shot that you're guessing the XG for, George Hurst got his first league goal. What was the XG on his goal? This is according to White Scout, by the way. If you want to know what the data source is, hmm. I'm gonna go zero point three five. Frankie, what is your guess? See, I went too high last time, but I do want to go higher than what you said. 0.58. And the winner is Frankie Rudland because Hurst's XG was 0.51. So roughly, he scores that once every, once every two shots. And it makes sense, right in the six-yard box, pressured by the centre-half. He, he could have easily been out pressured by a defender or miss-hit it, that type of thing. I, I thought the pressure on him, the way he was sort of turning, a bit like, you know, when we spoke about that Marquis shot before against Charlton, I thought that was maybe going to drag the XG down and I've been guessing too high. But frankly, congratulations, mate. That's two out of two now uh, on the podcast. You're, you're really storming ahead on the leaderboard now. I think, I think I've got two right, you've got two, Andy's got one. So... Yeah, and I've definitely played the game a lot more times. So uh. <laughs> this one was actually a semi-respectable win as well because I was within, you know, one of getting it correct. <laughs> well, Sam, very impressive, very time. impressive. Exactly, exactly. Freddie is literally stroking his beard in, in you know, appreciation for how <laughs> well, close mate, what that was. A fine beard it is as well. From one bearded <laughs> man to another, what a fine beard it is. That's it, the bearded warrior over there. And um, all right, sweet. Well, let's move on to the next section then. Let's keep going because. We asked you guys who we think, or who you think even, should replace Shawnee Ragger at the back against Gillingham. Thank you, everyone, for messaging in. Again, it's always appreciated. It is what makes the show, not just us talking. We want to know what you think about it. So without further ado, let's get into it. So Jack Chapman messages in. He said, have Freeman on the right, Ogilvy in the middle, Brown. What is it? Have Freeman on the right, Ogilvy, Brown in the centre, in brackets, I know it's not ideal, and maybe consider Harvey Hughes on the left. What does the pod think of rumours linking us to James Norwood? Well, we're a little bit off topic straight away, boys, but that's how we roll on the PO forecast. Freddie, do you have anything in particular to say about James Norwood to Pompey? And do you think, A, it's realistic, because I think he's on decent money, and B, would he be the kind of player you'd like to see in a Pompey shirt? I'd love that signing, personally. Um, whenever I've seen James Norwood play, or... Uh, under Paul Lambert, I always thought, why isn't James Norwood starting? I don't get it because he's the sort of he's a sort of striker who you get who gets into one-on-one chances, and you immediately think that's a goal. In the same way that you Pompey fans thought of Brett Pittman when he was in his pomp, but <laughs> movement off the ball, he's fairly decent. I think potentially, potentially with the crossing can be a little bit of a misnomer because he's he's not the most dominant in the air, but he's definitely a goal a goal scoring striker. Um, and his movement off the ball is very good. He moves into the channels really well. It's a sort of striker to consider if uh, Pompey can afford him because obviously he's not playing at the moment for Ipswich that much. He was signed under the previous management, so, so known Paul Cook, he likes to get rid of all the players that, that weren't signed by him. 
So the Norwood would definitely be on our list if we could afford him, but there'll be other options there. And in terms of going back to the original question of how we line up with Sean Raggett out, it's big. It's a big, big, big loss. And it's hard to think of a right or a wrong way. If you believe that you could, Pompey can go on top, keep on top in this game, you go with the back three again. You put Brown at left sided centre half, you put Freeman at right side centre half, and then by default, you have to put Ogilvy in the middle. But if you don't, to keep it as simple as possible, you just go with a back four, Brown at left back, Romeo at right back, with Ogilvy left sided centre half and Freeman right side centre half, because there's no really any other option. I don't know what you guys think, but I think personally, Considering that the players Gillingham are missing, I think you go with the former and you stick with the back three and the wing backs and you just hope that Pompey can keep on top of the duels throughout the entire game and uh, and the defensive laps lapses won't be as bad. Finley messages in and he says three at the back. Brown, Ogilvy, Freeman. Got to play it safe. Hurst, Harness, Curtis up top should give the opposition enough to worry about. Frankie, what are you feeling about that? Ogilvy into the middle? Brown and Freeman either side? Yeah, I agree. I think I think that what that's what it has to be. Um, I can't see Sean Williams stepping back into into centre back role because I just don't think. To be honest, he's more of an intelligent midfield player that likes to kind of slow things down, control the tempo of the game. I don't see him as a kind of aggressive centre back figure. I think Lee Brown is the one that you move in there. He's experienced, you know, he has done it before very rarely, but he has played there before. So I think it has to be the back three. And I think, like Fred said, we have to try and control the game like we did against Lincoln. And we have to try and pick up those second balls to relieve pressure off the defence from midfield forward. And I think to do that, you need the energy of Hackett Fairchild and Romeo wing back again. I saw Jonty, friend of the show, on uh, on Twitter saying he thought it could be a potential that they move Williams back into the defence. And for me, it's, it's really not... And not that Jonty was advocating it, just put that out there. Uh, but I, I really personally do not want to see Williams back in defence. He's looked so much better in the midfield where he is now, you know. I wasn't too happy with all of his performances at the, at the back. And now he seems to have really settled into the middle. So, Fred, are you feeling the same as me in this sense? Keep Williams in midfield and just go with what we said before because Greg's come out and he said Bazunu, Hackett Fairchild left wing back Brown, Ogilvy and Freeman Romeo at right wing back Morell, Williams Curtis, Harness Hurst so basically the same formation but just subbing in uh, Lee from football is that what we're saying now? Can we keep Williams in midfield? Uh, I think we should do if you play him uh, it's quite obvious that Williams is not a centre half he got caught out of position so many times simply because Usually, he can be more defensive and sit backy in in the centre of midfield. But knowing he's got a back four or defenders behind him, when he's the last man, it doesn't work at all, at all. At least with, at least if you have Brown and Freeman as the wide as the wide centre halves, at least you know that they can hold a defensive line quite well. So that so positionally off the ball, they usually will be in the right place. But no, I think if you, if you play Williams, you play him in midfield next to Morel or you keep him on the bench. In my opinion as well, Williams has just come off the back of probably his three best performances in a Pompey shirt since signing for the club. I thought he's been really, really decent in, in every in each of the last three fixtures, league fixtures especially. I think he's controlled the play. He showed his qualities and I think he showed why Cowley wanted to bring him to the club. So I think to take him out of that midfield after he's put in such positive dis- displays in our last three matches I just think we'd kind of knock him off his stride a little bit and perhaps reset some of the work that that we've done to kind of get that midfield to, to where it is now Greg carries on to say it's going to be tough with no strong and tall centre-backs keep the ball short passing possession football and we could win this Raggett is a huge blow it's been spoke about quite a lot that Pompey don't have any natural centre-backs playing in this game, but I sort of disagree with that a little point because I feel, for me, that Ogilvy's best position is actually at centre-back, not at left-back. Coming up against his old club here, against Ginningham, where their manager, Steve Evans, plays what we're going to get into the preview, but quite a direct style of football, quite a defensive style of football. He was sort of fitted in at left-back for them, but for me, Ogilvy's talent and where he looks best at, I think he looks a lot more settled in the middle. We debated this, didn't we, when on the transfer special when with Gabe Sutton when we wanted Ogilvy to sign, but we were looking at his advanced numbers and thinking 
his his, his aerial jewels and defensive jewels were very very good, but he doesn't get forward enough. So I think Cowley signed him specifically in mind with playing in a back three with him as a wide centre half. I think that was the plan for that, but we they couldn't sign the right centre side of centre half they needed for the back three. And when I saw him at left back. I believe it was either against Doncaster or Fleetwood at the beginning of the season. He, he, he just didn't have that drive enough at left back. As much as much as as I think he's a great defender, having it at left back doesn't suit his, suit his strengths as much, in my opinion, just with the way that Ports would play. So I'd rather see him at centre-half. And even if it's not natural for Ogilvy, the more he plays there, I think he'll suit that position more um, in time as well. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think Ogilvy as a left-back is a very, very traditional English left-back in the sense of he steadies the ship, he's good defensively and he forms part of a solid back four. But I don't think necessarily you would say, oh, he's a left-back, that's his natural position because he doesn't offer you anything near the attacking threat that you get from someone like Romeo. So I think the same, I think his centre-back is a position that probably is best suited to him. He played it so many times throughout his career. It's not like he's out of position playing there. So yeah, he's he's been emphatic alongside Sean Raggett the last few games as well. And he showed that he's he's kind of got that battling and and tenacity as well to play there. He's also looked pretty decent in the air, isn't he? As we said, Freddie touched on his aerial jewels numbers, but he, even with the eye test, he looks good in the air. He wins a lot of headers. So I'm quite hopeful that he can actually play that position in the middle there where he, he can be aerially pretty decent. Against the side, we'll come on to talk about over Gillingham, who are very good in the air going forward and will play long balls. We'll look for that. The midfield have got to get back and support them around the ball. It's going to have to be a team effort in defence. It can't just be left to those guys at the back to, to provide the only defence. That The holding midfielder is going to have to get back track. I'm sure Joe Morrell will be there to try and provide some cover as well when, when people go forward. So as Williams to sort of play in the pivot. But we'll see how that goes on. But it's moving on now. Dan matches in. He says Romeo, Brown, Ogilvy in the middle. Hackett and Freeman are wing, wing back. We'll need to score three to win as we'll let in a couple. Gillingham haven't really scored that many goals at the moment. They're not really looking like um, the offensive dynamos, you know, of the league or anything. I don't know if Dane Oliver's actually even fit, but it's one of those teams that you look at them and you think, are they going to score loads of goals? Do you reckon two might be enough, Frankie? Yeah, and I don't want to curse. Well, this will be me cursing the team now, but looking down the chart after you look at Dean Oliver, I think that the next top scorer is on two goals, if I'm right. So they're not a prolific team at all. So, you know, I'm not sure if I can agree with that. And, and going back to when we played that back three before and we were missing Ogilvy as well, I didn't necessarily think that we were that defensively incompetent throughout the course of a whole match. It was more defensive lapses of concentration that were letting us down. It was real kind of glaring errors. So, you know, I think this defence has capability to see out a solid enough performance just if you can cut out those individual errors. Because like I say, it wasn't the fact that we we're getting picked apart from teams. We we're just shooting ourselves in the foot by scuffing half clearances. And in a similar way from the Lincoln game, Chilling have got a massive injury crisis. They've got, eight, they've got at least eight players out um, from looking at Kent online earlier. Vidane Oliver is injured. Their top scorer with seven goals. Their second highest is Danny Lloyd, three goals, two assists. And the and the, the attacking production dries up. They're also missing Carl Dempsey, one of their, their, probably their best centre midfielder for linking up play. And he's solid defensively as well. Steve Evans mentioned rushing back players uh, who were half fit, like Ollie, Ollie Lee, who I think is a very good player, but, he, but him being half fit, that definitely benefits Pompey as well. Mustafa Carriol and Robbie McKenzie were also rushed back. It, it could potentially be a repeat of the Lincoln game because it's another side having major injury problems, not uh, not having the team selection quite right. And also if Steve Evans, there's, there's probably loads of mental stuff going off on off the pitch. He was linked with the Steve Vintage job. They're a vulnerable side. Um, and yes, Sean Raggett's out, which is arguably the big, biggest loss that Pompey can have. But if they can keep control of the game and keep, and keep it solid and not have those lapses in concentration when dealing with, di- with those direct passes, I think, I think Pompey can get a result. The Pompey Lumberjack messages in and he says, the only logical move for me is to bring Ogilvy into the middle, have Brown on the left and Freeman on the right. Seems like we all will agree for once. This is a, a different one. With Romeo and Rico at wing backs. 
Not ideal. Losing rags makes us very vulnerable from the higher balls, but in Cowley, we know, well, Cowley will know that. For once, there is faith. It seems to me it's just, just going to be about more of the same. If we can come out and play like we did against Lincoln, if we can press from the front, cause them problems, I think we should be able to get this one, shouldn't we? Yeah, definitely. I agree. And I haven't I haven't actually checked, I, I must admit, I haven't actually checked the, the Gillingham injury list. Is John Akinde, is he in for this fixture? Is he out as well? I'm not sure. The article I looked at mentioned Dempsey and Oliver specifically, but then just said eight other players, eight players in total out. So Kinde played in the last game up front, Frankie. So yeah, so he could be there. So potentially that's that could be a problem because of what what I would say um, for Oli Palmer of of Wimbledon is he did manage to to do quite well throughout the course of the match in making that ball stick when it when it went up to him. So we are slightly vulnerable without Raggett for a big physical striker. But again, you know, if he's isolated, you know, Akinde, he, yes, he can make the ball stick, but is he going to be the man to bring it down and not one to the back of the net? No, he needs, he needs players around him and he needs quality around him as well, which like Fred said, with, with their injury list, you kind of think Pompey can stifle even without Sean Raggett. John English messages in, he says, Hugh, your knowledge on Dutch football teams is bad but the penalty decision was terrible thanks John appreciate that managed to get more Dutch football things wrong last week yeah it is bad on topic stick Brown in for rags that would be the safest option I hope we sign a defender in January because defence really needs strengthening overall great performances in the last two matches Frank I'm never going to let this Dutch football thing down am I you didn't do yourself any favours I got a bit last last week when you what was it Dessers from Feyenoord and butchered his name name. player or team (laughs) well you know there we go there we go shouldn't drink too many beers before recording boys that's the uh, that is the the motto of right now that's my excuse anyway Pompey and Canberra meshes in he says Harness is on fire at the moment if a club came in with a big money offer in January would you sell him in order to make new additions elsewhere in the team or do you think it's hard to buy quality players in the January transfer window that's provided we get him to sign a contract extension or a club won't wait until the summer. Well, we already mentioned this earlier on, but just really touching on it, I suppose we've got the option to, to re-up him. So we shouldn't lose him for a free. That's as long as we pay him the salary, we, we can we can hold Marcus Harness. And then as Freddie mentioned as well, get that, just take the option now, really. Take it while we can, nice and early, player settled, and then maybe we can go and negotiate in the summer. Yeah, and I think the club have already said Cowley's already said he's you know, there has been interest, reported interest, and he's in no rush to to sell him at all. I think we'd be crazy to sell him because I think you're taking such a huge gamble of shifting a player in January. Okay, we might be able to demand good money for, for him because it is the winter window, but then you get ripped off elsewhere. You don't make any kind of financial gain from selling him because you're just going to get your arm taken off by another club to try and find a replacement. And again, you know, Harness at the minute is our talisman. He's the man that we're looking to to, to win us matches. So, who do we take from another club? They're not going to sell their star players in January unless they're extremely cash-strapped or we play pay an extremely high fee. And it comes back to the point I was making on strikers last week. It's difficult. You're, you're either trying to find someone on the downward curve, you're trying to pluck someone from non-league. I, I noticed that Wooten was a name from Notts County mentioned. Um, so it's difficult. You, you really do have to find you know, a, a kind of diamond in the rough or someone you know, like Norwood, perhaps someone like that, who who still has something to offer, but needs a few games to get back into their stride. So I think we'd be nuts to sell off Harness and, and try and replace him with, well, I don't think we could replace him with a player of similar quality in the winter window. Yeah, Frankie hit the nail on the head. Usually in January, you're looking for players who are either good and not wanted by their clubs, a James Norwood, if you can afford him. You're looking for players who you gamble on and think can make a step up like a Carl Wooten as, a, as an example, or you go for a high-profile player who should be in a higher division or should be playing more, but you'll play a pre- pay a premium for him because it's January. Those are, the, those are the three options. So that's why the January window is often very unreliable for, for a lot of teams, not just Pompey. So I would even consider selling Harness now and uh, for the money and trying to... Um, sort out two positions with the money you get, you'd be absolutely crazy. You wouldn't be able to replace them properly. Especially with 
apparently Blackburn registering some sort of interest in the championship. In my opinion, one of the most overrated clubs in in the championship. And and just just on the basis that are they all think they're a massive club. They're getting like ten thousand at home in the championship. So pipe down Blackburn. Who wants to go and play up in Lancashire anyway? What I will say for them though is they've got the best South American to ever grace the game in uh, Ben Brereton Diaz. What a player. Yeah. he's improved yeah, but, so much since switching nationalities it's crazy it's got, absolutely yeah, crazy he's, he's, he's such a good player now. player now that they've stuck Diaz on the end of his name maybe we should do that Freddie for you and maybe our, our podcasting will will just boom even further you know Freddie Webb I've, Diaz I've got, I've, got, I've got no links to South America whatsoever <laughs> <laughs> absolutely none <laughs> No, nothing on the family tree at all alright well you know it was worth a pun wasn't it um, alright boys shall we get into talking about the Gilliam games we sort of alluded into it anyway but we sort of like we're almost rolling into this into the preview as well but Gillingham our team in absolute dire struggles at the second in time 20th in the league currently their form has been pretty woeful in the last three games they've lost 2-0 to Cheltenham 2-0 to Crew, who are obviously struggling right down the bottom they lost to Cheltenham 1-0 obviously again that was in the cup but you know, Cheltenham, we know, are a difficult team to beat. And then before that, they had three draws, very low scoring. As we said, they're struggling to score games, uh, score yeah, they goals. They haven't won a game in over a month. The last game they won was against Doncaster Rovers on October 19th. Well, yes. Yeah, wretched so, bit of form. Yeah, they drew with Sheffield Wednesday away. That's not a bad result. Due at home, I mean, it's, it's, it's looking pretty rubbish. And they, they really can't score goals, can they? They haven't scored, well, they haven't scored more than one goal, I can see in the last six that I'm looking up. I haven't bothered to go back any further than that. But, Really struggling, host of injury issues. Fans are really unhappy at the club at the moment as well with the way it's been run. Potential that Steve Evans might go. There was talk of him going to Stevenage as well. I don't know if that's going to materialise, but there was talk of that. Um, and I think Steve Evans said it was in the hands of the chairman and what, what happens there. That's never a good sign. If you're a, if you're a player playing for a manager, he says it's up to the chairman if I stay or not. This should be, this should be boys, shouldn't it? A win for Pompey when we look at this game. But... Gillingham are always a team that seems to get something against us, don't they? They're one of those annoying bogey teams and it's going to be freezing cold. It's going to be about three degrees. The weather says minus one, it's going to feel like. On the Medway, is this a banana skin, Freddie Webb? Potentially. Uh, if you remember the last time Poppy played against uh, uh, Priestfield, that, that was the first game of that horrible downward spiral that got Kenny Jacket sacked, where Gillingham had three chances, scored all of them, Pompey were on top for a bit and then absolutely collapsed. And Gillingham played a perfect example of counter-attacking football that normally you'd see away from home, but they were playing it at their own ground anyway. But fair enough. That this is a problem though. They don't, they don't have very much going forward. They, they've lost. They lost Jordan Graham, who was one of their better talismans throughout that game. One of the few players who I actually like who is playing is probably Jack Tucker at centre half. He's a very very good centre half. Win, wins a lot of his aerial duels. Dominates defensively. But they still don't have much going forward. But the issue is, with their direct style of football, it will work if Portsmouth make defensive errors. And that's more likely since Shaw Bracket isn't in the team. It's bound to happen. So, so there's a potential there. But I'm more, I'm more confident than not, to be honest. Frank, are you feeling a nice, easy win for Pompey? And does it seem like... We're almost too confident going into this game of knowing Pompey and just the way it is. Or, or should we be confident with the form we're on and just to go into this game thinking we should get three points? I think I wouldn't say so much as it's a confidence, more of a realistic expectation. I think there is obviously a banana skin there for Portsmouth, but I don't think Raggett being out is enough of an excuse for us going into this game to not expect anything else but a win. Like we said, we've, they've been on a, a wretched run of form. You know, they lost to a Cheltenham side who credit to them in their last match, credit to them. They are a tough team to beat, but we saw them at Fratton Park and Pompey were absolutely wretched as well in that game. They're, they're no world beaters and they beat them quite comfortably 2-0 last time out. Even if we do make mistakes, again, you have to say, who's their player of quality? Who's the one that's going to get on the ball and make that difference? Even if there are gaps in that, in that Portsmouth defence, I just don't see Raggett being out as enough of an excuse for us not to expect a win here. I mean, if Raggett was in, in the heart of defence, undoubtedly we would all be sitting here saying, you know, it's got to be a win. That is testament to how big Raggett has been for us this season and, and also how short we've been in those defensive areas. But you kind of have to remember as well, 
Lee Brown wasn't in that centre-back position when we went on that horrible run and we had that three at the back and it just wasn't working. It was Sean Williams for those games. So I do think, like Fred said before, he's he's a defender. He's been a defender all his life. He'll be able to hold a defensive line. He should be able to get through a game without making too many horrific, basic errors. It's got to be a win for Portsmouth for me. All right, boys, let's go for it. Freddie Webb, I want to know what your score prediction for the game against Gillingham is and your goal scorers, please, mate. I think it will be a win, but I think it'll be narrower than people are suggesting. I'm going to go 2 1. Since there's an ex Poppy player involved, John Akinde scoring for Jules, obviously. Uh, but it will be goals from George Hurst and Ronan Curtis with Pompey. And we'll, even with the defensive difficulties, we'll see it over the line. What are you saying, Frankie? I'm feeling a 1-0. I think despite what I've just said, you know, we 100% expect to win, but I just expect it to be a horrible, torrid game. The pitch won't be amazing. Like you say, it's going to be freezing cold. I fully expect them to just dig in, fight tooth for nail for, for 90 minutes. And I think Ronan Curtis will get on the score sheet. So I think, yeah, 1-0 Pompey, Ronan Curtis. And I'm going to go for a 2-0 Pompey win. Despite the lacking of Sean Raggett at the back, I just... Gillingham just don't look like scoring many goals at this moment in time. I'm going to say that we we press them from the front and real team defence gets together. We get a 2-0 win. Marcus Harness and the first goal for Pompey for Conor Ogilvy, who is going to score against his former club to get his first Pompey goal, celebrate in front of the Gillingham fans. Let's have it, boys. Let's go for it. 2-0. Yeah, that's where I'm at. Positive. And it's great to be talking Pompey with all this positivity around. Right. Freddie. Great to have you back, mate. Yeah, it's been, it's been amazing to be back on. Thank you so much. Awesome. And Frankie, it's been a pleasure, mate, as always. Yeah, no, like I say, cheers for having me back on. I, I enjoyed last week and, and this week's been the same. And until next time, play out Pompey. You have been listening to the PO Forecast for Pompey News Now. Available on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Follow PO Forecast and Pompey News Now on Twitter for more information. And there is the full-time whistle!